All right. It's 9 o'clock. 9.03 according to that clock. Why can't we just have a universal clock? That's what I want. Just everybody's on the exact same time everywhere. We used to, uh, when we dropped the girls off at school back in the old days, you know, when we went places, um, I would always look at my clock to make sure that we, we got to school on time because there's tardiness, right? You know this, schools. And um, we would get there, I knew it, right on time, and then they would come home with their tardy slips. And I thought, there's no way. I'm looking at the clock. This is AT&T Cellular Tower. We are on time. We would always get there tardy, according to the school clock, which is different than every other clock in the world for some reason. The school clock apparently rules, and you have to go by that one. And we were always late because of that. So this year, when we go to the office, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that clock and mark the time and make sure that we are following its guidelines. We have one in here, so apparently I'm supposed to follow these guidelines. Uh, so we'll go ahead and get started. Good morning, everybody. Um, it's great to see all of you here, social distancing. We, we have the room for that, which is great. Um, this morning's going to be a y- unique time. I, I've had a, a couple of, of sermons in the hopper that, that I've been praying about and studying, but you know, I just I felt led, pulled, really, to to this topic um, for for some reason. Maybe it, someone needs to hear it. Maybe I need to hear it. I don't know. But um, this this topic is weighing heavily on my heart, and, and I just cannot escape it. And, and so you won't have a handout. There isn't any notes or anything like that. It's it's a bunch of scribblings on some graph paper. Um, that, that I wanted to throw together and, and talk to you about today. Um, my, my daughters and I have been playing Minecraft for uh, a few weeks now. It's a, it's a game, and, and it's basically Legos on, on a video game console, and you just you build stuff. And, and so the girls enjoy it, I enjoy it. They like going on, on what I call little treasure hunts. And, and so at night, um, I had the idea of, of putting this, this kind of game or treasure hunt together where I give them a map and they follow the map in the game and then they get somewhere they they arrive at a location and then they can mine for for treasures so there's diamonds and there's emeralds and all these great things and they're so excited about getting diamonds and emeralds and and so I've been staying up late excuse me um, to create these little treasure hunts because it takes time and and it's fun for me it allows me to de-stress but but it's fun for them and they love it and and they're getting really good at following these treasure hunts, doing what they want to do, getting the treasure out of there. Uh, I've done a couple of variations of them, and they, they, I haven't told them that it's me doing it. I'm just telling them, hey, I found a treasure map. Go follow the treasure, and, and then they'll go and get it, and, and they'll, they're very vocal about if they liked it or didn't like it. Uh, Megan said, yeah, I didn't like that one. Maybe you should find a different treasure map next time. So... I'm, I'm doing these tr- these little treasure hunts, and, and I have to, you know, X marks the spot, right? So I'm doing all these things to mark the spot and let them know very clearly, here's where the treasure is. Go find it. They're, they're still little. Um, but I'm also wanting to challenge them. I want to make them think through things and, and learn to solve riddles and puzzles and, and to be logical about their approach. And, and so uh, I... I this last time, I stayed up till four in the morning, and, and I made them a, uh, a, a maze. And it was a very cool maze. 
Um, I built it out of a type of rock that is is very very hard to mine. So you have to you have to hit it really really hard and a lot of times for it to actually go away, which is how you do anything in this game. And so I thought, great, I'll build the walls out of this, so they don't just brute force attack this thing. They you know they're thoughtful and they go through it. So I built the maze. I'm starting to go and and make all these pathways. I put little treasure spots inside the maze. I'm, I'm steering the, them towards thinking about taking this in, in sections and steps and being logical about it. And, and so I, at 4.30 in the morning, I'm done. I made one for Megan, and I made one for Allie, because as most of you know, they cannot share. They have to have their own thing. So now they both have their little treasure maps. So we wake up. The girls want to play. Uh, it's Saturday, and we turn on the console, and, and they have at it. And, and I said, hey, girls, I found some treasure maps. They're, they're over there. So they go and get the treasure maps in the game, and, and they're off. They, they're off to the races, and they find the location. It's very exciting. They're, they're saying, Mommy, look at this, and Daddy, look at that. And so we're going over there, and oh, wow, yep, never seen that before. And they're working through these things, and, and I step away. I step away because I think, man, it took me four hours to make this thing. It's going to take them at least all day to get to the treasure, right? So they get there, and then Allie says, um, maybe five minutes later, okay, what now? And I said, what do you mean, what now? And so I go over, look in the TV, and she's right there in front of the treasure. She's done. That's it. She's there. And I think, how did you get through that maze so fast? And, and then I said, baby, look around. Where, where are you? And she looks up, and she dug a hole straight through the roof to the middle of the treasure room, and bypassed the entire maze. I spent four hours doing this thing, and she went right to the center and dug straight down. And I thought, I should have built this thing better, but she just, she just figured it out. She said, I'm, just, I'm not going to go through all that. I want to get to this thing. So she dug straight through the, the ceiling right there. She's sitting in front of the treasure, and she's like, but, Daddy, I don't have a pickaxe. And so she bypassed all the things that would have gotten her to the treasure, the experience, right? There was pickaxes and there was torches and, and things that allowed her to kind of get to where she needs to go. But, but Allie, in, in her brute force mentality, thought, you know, just there's the middle. I'm just going to go through the middle and go down and, and arrive where I need to arrive. The, the funny thing is she didn't know that the treasure was in the middle. I, I didn't think about the fact that X at the top of the, um, at the, top of the building marked the spot for her and so she was thinking about it as when x marks the spot you dig at the middle of the x and, and unfortunately for me the middle of the x was the treasure room but megan was very thoughtful about what she was doing and and she kind of didn't know where to start she she kind of fumbled around in the game i had to kind of steer her um, there's these little creatures in there that, that are kind of scary, and so every once in a while she would get attacked, and I'd have to go over there and help her. Megan was um, less thoughtful about it and, and more tentative. She, she didn't want to approach this thing because it was a little bit scary, a little bit daunting. And, and so I had to kind of coax her and walk her through it and, and let her know it was going to be okay. And, and she's, she's very sweet. She, she found a little pet in the game, and she's playing with the little pet. I'm, I'm telling you this story for a reason. The, my daughters are very different people. They're very different people. And I love them both so much. They, they are sweet, and they're smart, and, and they're, 
they're going places. Um, they, they have their way about them. Megan is so creative, and, and you look at her and the way that she sees the world, and it's just so different in her capacity for, for caring about animals and, and people. It's just so big. And, and Allie, I, I feel, is, is a little bit more like me. She's more methodical, uh, more brute force, obviously. Um, but, but they're very different. I resonate more with Allie. I just do. So when they were little, people would ask you, do you have a favorite? No, I don't have a favorite. But I do resonate more with Allison. She, she, I get her. I get the way that she thinks because I believe that she thinks like me. Now, she has a lot of her mother in her as well. And, and I love her mother, so I love my daughter. But, but there are things about her that are different than, than me. She's not my clone. She's not my copy. But she is more like me. And, and because of that, I feel like uh, I resonate more with her. So she's not my favorite, but I do resonate with her more. And, and that thought process brings me back to the, the topic of today, uh, love. God is love. I love my daughters equally. I, I would do anything for them. And, and I think about them all the time. I, I, in fact, I have to put myself in a mindset to, um, to figure out how Megan works so that I can understand her. And, and it, it's hard work because it's different for me than just being the way that I resonate with Allie. It's a little bit easier for me. So I have to work at how I work with Megan. And, and that's because I love her and I want her to have the best experience from me that she could possibly have. I, I never want my daughter to grow up and think that she was not favored in any way. Hopefully she won't listen to this message, you know, 20 years from now and, and hear all this. But uh, I don't want her to ever feel like she didn't have a parent that loved her. I've got a couple of, of cousins that are twins. And, and I counseled one of them one time because she felt like her father didn't love her. She felt like she was, that her sister was the favorite. Everybody liked her sister better than her and all these other things. And, and I, I get it now. I believe that her father, my uncle, resonated more with his other daughter and didn't know how to treat his his other one and and therefore it brought this conflict and this this consternation really of of I, I don't know who you are I don't know how you work and, and so I don't know how to deal with you and and that pushed her away that made her feel like she wasn't a part of the family she wasn't loved she wasn't appreciated I never want my daughter to feel that way never so so I'm, I'm very mindful when it comes to <clears throat> excuse me, Megan, in, in how she needs to be dealt with. When she throws tantrums, she, she throws tantrums for a long time. And, and we figured out that, that you, need to, um, you need to be close to her. You need to bring her in. Allie, you can send her to her room, and five minutes later she's like, can I come out? I'm done throwing my tantrum. That's it. Can I, I don't like to not be with people, so <laughs> bring me back into the fold. Uh, Megan's not like that. She needs that, that personal touch. She needs someone to go and talk with her and, and hug her and be with her. I'm not that kind of guy. So I have to fight within myself, not fight, but, but I have to battle um, my, my tendencies to really resonate with, with my other daughter. And, and it's so unique to have these, these twins that are so different. And, and, I, and that brings me back again 
to the topic of today, which is love, God's love specifically. Now, God is different. He, he doesn't do this kind of thing that I do with my daughters. He loves us equally. He knows us intimately. He appreciates who we are. He made us the way that we are for a very specific reason. God's love is bigger than my love. It's more expansive. It touches many things that, that my mind can't even comprehend. We're going to read some scriptures about that here in a minute. But I, I tell you this story because um, I, I want you to know this, this perspective about love that, that we all have. Love, hear me out, is not love. Love is not love. There are different degrees of love out there in this world. And, and there is a thought process now that every type of love is the same. That, that love is universal. That love can be for anybody about anything. And, and, and it has twisted the hearts and the minds of this generation and will continue to twist and permeate throughout. I, I tend to stay away from social topics. I just don't like to do it. I, I want to dive into the Bible. I want to uh, read what, what the Lord is saying to us. I want to understand his word. I, I want to um, hear his voice when it comes to the, the spiritual life that God gave me. But, but as, I, as I started hearing about this, this new trend of, of love is love, and it's been around for a while. It didn't happen recently. But, but as you hear about this new trend of, of love is love, you begin to see the twistedness that the enemy has brought into this world. There is a, there's a, a feed going around now about uh, pedophilia and how that those, those people who struggle with that have a, uh, a, a, the same capacities for love that, that everybody else does. And, and it is uh, in us understanding them that will allow us to move forward as a society. They're, they're, they want to tack on this, this new letter, the, the P letter, I guess, for pedophile, into the LGBT community. They, they believe that they are uh, in that same ilk, people who have been, who are born this way, who have been given um, this, this, this genetic structure to love this way, and that if you can love the same sex, why not the, a, a different sex but a different age? Or, or the same sex but a different age. And, and so they're, they're trying to twist this concept and saying, look, if you accept that, why can't you accept this as well? Why can't it all be part of the, the love is love family? And, and to that I say, you're right. I agree. If you're going to say that that's love, then you can absolutely say that this is love. And you can also say that, that incest is love. That, that as it transfers down the road, that love is universal and that you can love anybody you want in any way that you want. And, and I wanted to look into scripture and say, Lord, is that true? Because obviously it's not true. It's not true. But, but I wanted to say definitively in scripture, what, what are we saying here? So what is love? What is God telling us about love? And for that, I want to go into the word. So we'll start here. If you have your Bibles, I have my, my tiny print Bible today. I forgot my iPad. So forgive me if I start to uh, mix up some words because this is very, very tiny, tiny text. We're going to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Of course we're going to go there. The love chapter. We like to read this chapter 
when it comes to weddings, um, when we talk about love between a man and a woman, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about love. People like to skip straight to that love portion, chapter 4. I'm sorry, verse 4. We're, we're going to read it from the beginning. Verse 1 of chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, agape, I am become a, as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and, have, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow it all my goods to the, feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth, profiteth me nothing. I'm going to pause there for a second. There's, there's a couple of things here that I, that I think we saw that, that I want to expound upon. Um, faith, having faith is not necessarily equated with love or, or agape. Giving to others, the homeless, the needy, is not necessarily associated with agape. You can have these things and not have agape, not have love. When you, and you could say, well, how can you go to a homeless shelter and, and feed people and help people and, and not love them? Well, it's very possible. That's, that's basically what this is saying. You can be a good person but not a loving person. You, you can... You can separate the concept of doing good things with loving people and loving them and loving what they do. You can give all your goods to feed the poor and, and give your body as a sacrifice to be burned and have not agape because then it means nothing. That's what that scripture just said. Love, verse 4, charity suffereth long, is kind, it envies not. It vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. A lot of people like to read the, the NIV version. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not proud. Love is not envious. Verse 5, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not its own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things what what we have come to now is a society that wants to water down everything you, you've heard the term cancel culture they want to water down everything so the truth is watered down love is watered down truth is universal love is universal i i understand the concept of of exclusion and and what they what they like to say now is that well you're excluding people you're you're keeping people from from knowing um, that love from knowing truth. You're keeping people from your inner circle. You're trying to keep people out. And, and that is, is wrong, they say. Um, and, and so we, we want to break down that institution that you've created and, and create our own universal one where love is love and your truth is, is truth. All truth is truth as long as you're living your best life. That's, that is the world that we live in. And, and we have to, as Christians, really figure out what it is that we believe and, and where we believe it from. And we're going to talk that about, we're going to talk about that here in a second. But we really have to figure out what is truth. Not our truth. What is 
truth? What is God's truth? And where does it come from? And how do we, how do we stay on that for us to be able to move forward? Here we have an, a, an explanation of what love is. Patience, kindness, uh, not envious, envious, uh, not proud, not puffed up, does not beha- behave itself unseemingly, um, seeks not its own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil. These, these definitions here of love are not necessarily what we could call universal love. They're very specific in the way that they're saying these things. That God has tried to give us a, a concept of what love is, what his love is, and it gets propagated even further when we look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. So let me look at there. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 8. Well, we're going to start in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. And and the, the scary part about this is that some Christians have used this scripture to talk about universal love, that, that love is love because God is love. And, and God's love extends to everybody so that if God's love extends to everybody, your love can extend to everybody. And, and they don't make the separation between chemical attraction and desire versus true agape and the love that God has for us. Those are two separate things. The way that I love my wife, the way that I love my children are two separate things. They're distinct they are unique. And the way that God loves us and what he's asking us to do here in these scriptures is unique. It's different. It's not the type of love that humans give to each other. It goes beyond that. We have spoken in this church about agape. We have talked about the purpose of God. We have talked about how God's power extends through us to reach other people. God's love is not our love, the way that we love other human beings. It's not the same. There are different variations of it. Here we have a scripture that says, look, let us love one another because love is of God. The way that we respond to one another through agape is different. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him here in his love now that we loved God not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins this is love it says not that we first loved God not that that it was a quid pro quo not that he said hey you're going to be one of my followers great For you, I will sacrifice. For you, I'll give my only begotten son. For you, I'm going to do all these miracles and things. That is not what this is saying. What he is saying is even though we were sinners, even though we were away from God, he sent his son to die for us. That is love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us. 
Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loves God love his brother also. Beautiful scripture, beautiful scripture. It's a different type of love that it's talking about here. So when we talk about the uh, alphabet community, when we talk about the things that they're going through, let me be very clear. We love them. They are human beings. They are God's people. He wants them to thrive. He wants them to overcome. He wants every single individual in this world to come to a knowledge of him. We have to separate, separate the concept of, of their actions that they do on this world with who they are as a spiritual being because we love the person who is that spiritual being. Let's be very clear. I'll be very clear. God loves them the way that he loves me. I am a sinner. I have sinned. I sin probably every day. And, and as much as I try not to sin, that sin still lives within me. And I have been forgiven by the blood of Christ. And I repent of those sins. And I work towards not sinning anymore when it comes to my mind that, hey, that's sin. That is what God has called us to. A right relationship with him in repentance of our sins to move away from those things and come towards him. So when we say that God loves them, and we've said this before, God loves them, not their sin. And their sin is not acceptable. My sins are not acceptable. We have to break those patterns out of us and move into a right relationship with God. This type of love is not the same thing. It, it's very different. There is a different type of love. Let's look at another one. 1 Timothy 1.5. Now the end of the commandment is out of, it's charity out of a pure heart. Love out of a pure heart and of good conscience and of faith, faith unfeigned. From which some having swerved had turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe in, on him to life everlasting. So we see again here, Love 
and, and how it has to do with Jesus and his sacrifice and the things that he went through to give us the life everlasting that God wanted to give. I, I want to go to another one here. John chapter 8. With my iPad, it's just, you know, swipe, swipe, swipe. With this one, I have to actually turn pages. John chapter 8. <clears throat> We're going to start in verse 30 here. And as he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We, have, we are Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and do that which you have seen with your father. And they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would not do, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he hath said, he that sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. Because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convince me of, of sin? If I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God hears God's word. You, therefore, hear them not, because you are not of God. And he goes on. This, this passage is so important when we look at the truth and what is truth. There is, it's not a universal truth. There isn't a truth for you and a truth for me and a truth for them. And, and they can live their truth and you can live their truth. There is a truth. And, and God has brought forth that truth through Jesus. When you know the truth, you will be set free. And to know the truth, you have to continue in his word and be disciples. Because then you shall know that truth. And that truth shall set you free. I, I said this once and I want to go back to it a, a while back. When you think about our relationship with God, when you think about religion and, and the way that um, all these things were established, I, I do a lot of studying and a lot of reading, and, and I've, I've been looking at um, all the, I like to read articles about, about space, about nature. Um, I, I look at all these things that, that scientists are doing in the quantum realm and, and all these new innovations and, and things that are coming into this world. And, and it is so, so easy for an individual to hear all of these scientific claims and all these things that are going out in the world and, and, and have doubt about who God is and what he's doing here 
and whether he exists or not. It's so easy because you, even as an educator, you look at um, science and, and the, the scientific method and, and the way that logic is formulated here in our lives. And, and you can see, you know, you get questions from children about, well, where did, where did dinosaurs come from? And, and are they in the Bible? And you get questions about uh, evolution. Um, you, you, you see all these articles about the species and how they're changing. We found a new species, and, and it had evolved from this other species. And, and so you see all this scientific stuff, and, and it gets very, if you start to get muddy. You start to think, well, if this is true, then... Is God true? If evolution is real and we came from monkeys, we evolved from monkeys, then, then does God really exist? And, and to that, um, I, I start to rationalize in my head, and, and I have to turn on my spirit full force and, and not, not right, outright reject the science, but begin to look through the science into what God is doing in our lives. And, and I started to think it, of it this way. If there is no God... There is no afterlife, right? There's no heaven. There's no hell. There's no God. There's no spiritual plane for us to descend or ascend into. And at the end of the day, your life does not matter. It doesn't matter. You are a collection of, of carbon atoms, and, and your life is, is moot. And, and you're here on this world, and, and you're here for an instant, and then you're gone. And, and despite legacy... You know, you think, well, I have a legacy, right? I'm going to have children, and they're going to go on, and I'm going to do exploits and great things. And, and like Alexander the Great and George Washington, my name will live forever. And, and yet now, especially in this day and age, we see even that is not a solid thing. We see all these, these statues being torn down, the legacy of these, these men, and, and sometimes even these women who have done things, their, their legacy is being destroyed as we, again, cancel culture, start to, to take away history. History is written by, by the, the winner, right? It's not written by the person that was there. It's written by the person who overcame those things and won in the end. That's, that's how history is written. We don't have a history of everybody in the world. So your name may not matter in 100 years. Your life may not matter in 100 years. You may have affected or impacted a person who went on to do great things, but at the end of the day, your life doesn't matter. If there is no God, you don't matter. And if you don't matter, then what is society? It's a collection of people who don't matter who are going off and doing what society, what a group of other people has told them to do. And, and then anarchy should reign because you should be able to do whatever you want. You are an individual with, with your own brain power that can do whatever it is that they want to do, and, and the only thing that's going to stop them is death, right? And so maybe that's, that's the limitation there, is you will cease to exist, exist, so you have to be very careful. If there is no God, your life does not matter, and you have no legacy. If there is a God, how do you know him? How do you come to know God? There's, there's really only two ways. One is through personal experience, and one is through the Bible. And now many religions can argue, well, yeah, but it's, you're right, but it's our Bible. <laughs> okay, I get that. But there's only two ways, personal experience and, and the history, the manuscript that was written before your time. Those are the two ways that you come to know God. But, but they're not 
mutually exclusive. You can't have one above the other. In fact, one has to be a foundation for your life. To me, that foundation is the word of God. Everything that I do in my personal experience with God has to align with what scripture says. It has to align with what God has done in the past for me to be able to discern what he's doing now in this future. This is the word that he has given us. And, and we follow it because it has been established by God's spirit for us to know and to understand. Otherwise, your personal experience turns into what we now see as, as that Mormon church, right? A guy had a personal experience. Angels came and talked to him, so he wrote it down on, on, or got these golden tablets. And now they have this church that comes up through him. He is the basis of it. And, and it goes on and, and does its thing. That personal experience that he has is what dictates that religion. And he, at any point of time, could have changed whatever was said in those manuscripts. We don't know. So our foundation is the word of God, and it has to be the complete word of God. Otherwise, you're picking and choosing what's in here, what's for you, what's not for you. That is the most dangerous thing that any Christian can do. You cannot pick and choose which scriptures you are going to believe. It has to be the entire thing, because there, if not, you will find a contradiction in your own spirit about what to believe. The Bible has to be the foundation, and it has to be the entire foundation. It has to be everything that you believe in its entirety. Otherwise, you will not be able to move forward because if one portion of it is not relevant for today, then what portion is relevant for today, and who gets to dictate that? Is that you? Do you get to decide this portion is for me, this portion is not for me? Is, is it as a group? Are we going to vote on this portion is not for me, this portion is not for, for you, but it is for me? It has to be the entire thing or it's nothing. That's, that's where it comes down to. You have to believe the word of God in its entirety. Now, there's some passage in here, passages in here that are hard to swallow. They're difficult. But that's where discipleship comes in. That's where true understanding, the truth, comes in because it's not just the surface of what's in this word. It's not just the words that are on paper. It's the, the meaning, the deep spiritual meaning hidden behind the pages that you have to study, that you have to pray about, that you have to fight for to understand. Man, it, it's a struggle. Let me tell you, it's a struggle. When you come in here reading scripture, and, and if you just read it on the surface, it's great. Yeah, good, good words here. Yeah, there's some stuff about, about incest in the back. There's some stuff about murder. There's, there's some really harsh stuff in here. There really is. What, what has to happen is you have to invest your life into this book and understanding what is in this book and, and understand that it, all of it, all of it applies for today. I, I told you when we started, this is a weird message for me. It really is. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this concept that people want to just do their own thing, that, that love is love and truth is truth, and that, hey, there's no holds barred. I, let, me, let me be very clear. If, if that concept is true, then there, are, there is no truth whatsoever. People want to live in a, in a gray world. I get it. 
I get it. And, and yes, there are shades of gray in this world. You, you look at how the Bible is, is represented and, and, and the death that came upon certain people, certain people groups, really. When, when God says, I hate the Amalekites, I hate this, I, I don't want you to do this, right? There's, there's, a, there's a, a concept of, well, but why is that okay and this not okay and all these other things? Again, you have to really read it to understand. Why is that the case? And, and so they want to put gray into the world because of that, because they just don't get it. We're afraid of, of, of the separation between black and white. Don't take this into race, but we're very afraid of the, the separation between black and white. We're, we're afraid of that. We want there to be this gray world. I, I, I get that. I understand. And this, this, again, has nothing to do with melanin. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. It has to do with the truth and the concepts that are out there and how you find them. This, this truth right here, if you truly read it and understand every single word, will get you to the place of, of understanding God and understanding people. It does not say here, love one another unless they're of a separate race. You love one another. You love them. You, you love them the way that God loves them. I'm Hispanic, so I'm not talking up here as a white, a, an old white guy, just to be clear. I'm a Mexican. I am a person of color. You love them. I have to love the white people. Let me say it that way. I have to love white people. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin, your race, your heritage. It has to do with love. God's love extends to all people. So, so I know this is hard to swallow too, as Christ. You have to love those who are of a different mindset when it comes to their sexual orientation. So let me be clear. I love those people. I do. I love them. I have compassion for them. I need to be kind towards them. I have people at work who are of the LGBT, LGBTQP persuasion. I know them. I'm friends with them. They're, they're my acquaintances. They're my work buddies. And, and I have compassion for them, and I love them, and I wish them the best. I, I wish them all the blessing in the world. I, I wish that they would come to know God the way that I have come to know God. I want that for them. That, that is our, our way that God has called us to be towards them. What I don't love is the sin that they're actively participating in. And, and I don't believe it's, it's my job to go up to every single one of them and say, hey, you're a sinner. Because let me be very clear, every one of you should be doing that to me too. Hey, you're a sinner. Well, guess what? I know that. I know I'm a sinner. Maybe that's the main difference. I know that I sin, and, and I try to actively not sin, and, and that's what you want to come to. The Bible says, do not judge lest you be judged. So I get it. There, there is sin out there in this world, and we, we want to try to fight. Here's what we should be doing as Christians. We should be loving them, and we should be showing them the gospel, the truth that lives here in this world through this word. That's what we should be doing. As a Christian, your job is to love someone so much that they see it. I, I was in a meeting with, with a, an individual, one of the VPs of our company, and, and we, were, we were talking about things, and um, I'm a nice guy. Some of you know this. Some of you don't know I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. And, um, 
So I, I was talking to her, and I, lo I looked at, because we're on this Zoom call, and I looked at, at the background, and it's her house. It's a lovely home. And I, and I said, hey, where do you live? And, and we went into this whole rabbit hole for probably about four or five minutes on, on her life and where she moved from and all these things. And, and I, I don't know why I asked that. She was right in the middle of starting to, to begin the meeting. It was just me and her, but she was starting the, me the meeting. And, and so she told me about her, her children um, and their ages and all this stuff. And, and we're talking, and, um, and she, said, she said, hey, I, I heard that you're a pastor. Is that true? And I said, yeah, actually I am. And so I told her my, my history and a little bit of it. I didn't give her my whole testimony. But I told her, yep, I, you know, I work at a church. And she said, isn't that a full-time job? And I said, yeah, it pretty much is. But, but more than anything, it's a lifestyle of, of reading, studying, and, and knowing you know, what you believe and, and the Bible and all this stuff. And, and then we went off with our meeting. And I'm like, man, that was a, that was a, strange, that was a strange little uh, engagement that we had there. I, I don't know why we got into that. She's, she's very just, you know, boom, boom, boom business. And so for her to share like that was interesting. And then for her to have heard that I'm a pastor, at, at the end of that, she said, yeah, I, I, I could definitely see that. Just the way that you carry yourself and, and just as, as nice as you are, I can see that you're a pastor. And I, that, that struck me. It struck me. It, it made me feel, I mean, good on the one hand. That, that people see me and say, yes, that, that is what I would equate to be a Christian. Someone who is a Christ follower, that's, yep, that's what I imagine when I hear those words, that person right there. Man, that feels good, let me tell you. It feels good to be, to acknowledge the fact that, that I'm doing something right, that, that people can see love through me. That's, that, it, it made my day. At the same time, however, she said this, I've got to be very, I, I, I just realize I've got to be very careful around you because she has a foul mouth. She said, I, I should be more careful. I, I apologize if I've offended you or anything. Like I said, no, 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 it's fine. You know, people do it all the time. I'm not judging you or anything, right? At the same time, it now puts this, this wide lens angle on my life. And I have to be completely above, above reproach at this workplace. I mean, that's a good thing. There's accountability now. But, but, man, it puts a spotlight on who I am and how I react. I, I don't drink. Everybody knows this. I don't drink. Um, I certainly don't do it when, when we're at the office. I certainly don't do it when they go to happy hours. And, and so I, I have attended those activities. And, and my boss, my, well, one of my previous bosses, hey, I'd like to buy you a beer. And I said, wow, I really appreciate that. Would you mind if it was a soda? Can I just get a soda? And, and we talked about that. And I was able to share my faith. He's a Muslim, I'm a Christian, we were able to talk about it. You know why? Because I love him. I love him as a person that God created. I love him. Even though I, our religions don't mix. Even though, that, even though he is something else. Let me tell you what I will do. I will not preach to him. I will share with him my testimony, my faith, what I believe. And, and he may or may not ever come to know the Lord. He may not. It, it's not my job to lead him to Christ. Let me, let me say that again. It's not my job to lead him to Christ. It's my job. It's your job to be a witness. It's your job to exemplify the life of Christ. That is when people change because you can't change someone's mind. We used to, 
we used to have that thing, uh, evangelism explosion, where we'd go around and we would, we would talk to people and, and evangelize to them and, and share with them the gospel. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. Yeah, that was, it was a great time, and I learned a lot doing that. But, but I came to recognize something. Those that, that came to know the Lord during that encounter, I never saw again. They may, may continue to be Christians to this day. They may have just left their life and done something else. Um, but I recognize that as much as we, we shared the gospel, as much as we preached to them about salvation and, and attempted to change their mind, people will either tell you, yep, I'm already a Christian. I remember one guy specifically. Um, he looked homeless. Could have been, could have not been, I don't know. But he looked like, like he was in dire straits. And, and we shared the gospel with him. And, and we say, hey, we want to introduce you to Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know Jesus. I know all about Jesus. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Great. You know the name. Awesome. It's not my job to lead him to Christ. It's my job to be a witness, to love them, every single one of them. What, what, whatever life stage they're in, it's your job to love one another. It is a different type of love. So what you cannot use this scripture to say, all love is universal. All love is the same. That is not what this is talking about. This type of love transcends all that. It's not about attraction, lust, desire. This love has nothing to do with that. This love is the love that you have towards another human being outside of those things in order for them to have the right relationship with God, in order for you to have the right relationship with God. That's what this love is all about. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 is about. So yeah, we'll, we'll read it at weddings. We'll probably read it at graduations or funerals or whatever else we want to read it in. But what it really impacts is our spiritual life and the way that we treat other people. Notice what is in 1 Corinthians um, in, in the surrounding chapters. Chapter 12. <clears throat> Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Then he goes off to talk about tongues. Chapter 14. Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy for he that speaks in an unknown tongue. So he goes on to speak about speaking in tongues and prophecy. Why is love, the love chapter, right in the middle of these two other chapters? You think he, was, he had a train of thought? Hey, I'm going to talk about spiritual gifts. Well, I want to talk about universal love over here for a second, and then I'm going to go back over here to spiritual gifts. It all has to do with the spiritual gift of love, of charity, of, of, of knowing and understanding other people and getting them to that relationship that they need to be in. The only way we're going to do that is if we are exemplifying love. And so again, I, again, I told you this morning at the very start of this, this has been weird for me. There's so many different ways I could have gone. A couple of sermons, like I said, that I had in the hopper. I, I scribbled these down on, on this piece of paper. It's something that has weighed heavily on my heart. I, and I don't know why. Maybe there's someone out there that needs to hear this message. Maybe, maybe I just needed to hear it for myself. When, when I think about love and the love that I have for my wife, the love that I have for my, my brothers and sisters, for, for many of you here, many if not all of you here, <laughs> not everybody <clears throat> but when I think about that love the love that I have for my children God is in those things in that capacity that, that no one can truly understand 
Don't let this world conflate it. Don't let this world trick you into thinking that it's okay. Your desires, the lusts, the, the chemistry that happens in your life, that's, that's not love. Let's be clear. I love my wife. I, I am attracted to her. But I'll be honest with you. I'm also attracted to other women. It doesn't mean that I'm in love with them. It means I'm attracted to them. When I was attracted to my wife, that brought us closer together. And then I began to love her, love her beyond anything that I could ever have imagined. Love her. Now she is my partner. That's what marriage is. That partnership has become something that we put with, that we grow together. I find that there are things that she can do that complement what I can do and even, I would say, surpass my abilities. Not, not, not as in, she's better at this than me. That's not what I'm saying, even though that's true for many things. What I'm saying is I found that when I do something, it only gets better when she's a part of it. And I find the same thing for her. Whenever she does something, I find that there's ways that I can increase that capacity in her where I can, I can partner with her and bring her to a whole nother level. That's, that's a marriage. That's what partnership's all about. So, so you have to separate the concept of attraction and love and truly understand what it is that God's trying to do. In this day and age, we have to be very careful that, that we don't let the world dictate the mandates of God. There is no, there's no your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. There is a truth. There's a truth and we have to find it. And let me tell you, it's in here. We have to find it. It is up to you to find it. So Father, I just thank you for this message. I, I don't know why or, or where this is going. I, I don't know if I'm going to get fired in a couple weeks because some the wrong person heard this thing. But, but Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in my life and the life of, of these people here. I, I know that this was strange for many. Lord, there's something that you are doing through this message, and I just thank you for that. Lord, as we go out into this world, let us love one another. The, the fullest capacity that, that you have brought here, the sacrifice of your son, Lord, let us know that love and be that love towards someone else. Let us love them in the capacity capacity that you love them understanding the difference between love and sin lord we love the person we hate the sin and we love you help us father help us to know truth help us to know love we ask these things in jesus name amen